0: Welcome to Never Again is Now, a podcast about anti-Semitism. I am Evelyn Marcus, and in addition to being a psychologist, I'm featured in the documentary about anti-Semitism, Never Again is Now. I am a Dutch Jew and the daughter of Holocaust survivors. In 2006, I immigrated to the United States because of the rising anti-Semitism in Europe.
1: I am Phyllis Zimbler Miller, the founder of the free nonfiction Holocaust theater project thinedgethewedge.com. I grew up in a small town in the Midwest and my grandparents immigrated from Russia and Latvia at the turn of the 20th century. On the other hand, my husband, U.S. Army officer husband and I found ourselves a young Jewish couple in Munich, Germany stationed with the U.S. Army only 25 years after the end of World War II.
2: Hmm, I lost you. We have now oh, we have a tech problem. <laughs> it, it's fine. Do you yeah. hear us? Yes. Okay. Sorry. Okay. It's okay.
0: We have on our show today Nina Meyerhoff. Nina uh, is from South Burlington, Vermont. And she's the co-founder of One Humanity Institute. Um, and uh, also the founder and president, she was for decades of uh, Children of the Earth. Um, both are institutes where people, uh, young people especially, learn and um, and become leaders into a spirituality that unifies all of us. Is that correct, Nina?
2: That's very correct.
0: Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for coming on our show. Mm-hmm. Um, It's an honor for us. Um, You also won uh, won many awards, peace awards. um, One even was the Mother Teresa Award, which is remarkable, I I would say. Um, It's an honor to have you on. Um, Could you please um, introduce yourself a little bit further to us?
2: It'd be my pleasure. Uh, I I I was trying to think about how I could introduce myself and what I think is, <laughs> gosh, all oh, oh, this technology, I don't know what's going on. Do you hear it too? No. I, no. This is going on. Okay. There's nobody calling right <laughs> <laughs> I am so sorry, but in a way, it's natural. So I, I am the daughter of two parents that left Germany in 1938 and uh, escaped to Czechoslovakia and from Czechoslovakia to Holland and to the United States. And I was always impressed by the fact that they always Began to think about humanity in a greater form, that they could go towards hate or they could go towards love and appreciation. And of course, you know, they struggled here in the beginning. They didn't relate much of the story of their past, though I found out my mother always told me that my grandmother was gassed in Auschwitz the day I was born. So that was like a a heavy responsibility, but they never talked about the details, as many uh, children of survivors will tell you. But on the other hand, uh, it was the inspiration for my life, as I understood, because I spent 35 years, 40 years going around the world working on peace, being concerned that we understand that we're interrelated, that we're the same as human beings, that we have blood, we have hearts, we have skin, etc., and it's only the externals that are different. Yes, and we close ourselves in uh, culture and gender and country and ethnicity and religion. But basically, we are all human beings on this earth and want the same things for ourselves and the people we care about. So. As I was doing this work, and and I've been in over 100 countries doing the work, I ended up in Auschwitz, and this is after my parents had died, and I I didn't know why I was there. but I spent a number of days there and was so shook up. Now you have to know, I've been in situations where there's been war zones, there's been children starving. I've seen a lot, but somehow that went to my very core. And in that time, I began to realize that I was meant to do all of this work and return to the point of essence of origin to really examine my lineage and my history. And though my parents really weren't there to offer it to me, nor did they want to, I needed to do this for my own identity. And realized that all the skills that I'd learned over the thirty-some odd years I could apply to this situation. I also realized that there was no concrete form that illustrated what does peace look like for an interrelated humanity. And but where else but Auschwitz would the counterbalance be? more appropriate to see the horrors of the horrors uh, revealing itself because they've maintained those horrors in in a miraculous way, yeah? And then to have a counter uh, experience of what does it mean if we were to change our behaviors? How would we behave to one another? How would we express ourselves? What would be our values? What are the new systems that could emerge? And to develop a site that would look like that. So we call ourselves the One Humanity Initiative, and we have two projects. The first project is One Humanity Bakery, and that was a bakery that we met a man in Israel We've Domen Kochevar and myself are co-founders. He's in Slovenia and he's not Jewish. So he had a little different perspective than me, which has been wonderful for the balancing of what we're talking about. And when we were in Israel, we met a man who came with a book who had just inherited his family's house in Auschwitz, Poland. And he said to us, this is the past showing us the book. And he said, this is the present meeting you, but I hear that you wanna build a better future. So I am offering you this building in the memory of my family and all their dreams. And he bequeathed us with the use of the bakery. And so we have that bakery. And then we received uh, a loan donation for another building. And we're putting the two buildings together by a bridge of hope. And we're making a pilot project for the very large uh, project, which will be One Humanity Institute. So there's One Humanity Bakery and the One Humanity Institute. And at the bakery, we will do uh the new environmentally green technologies we will invite the youth from the community experts from around the world and i don't know if you're aware but there are over 2 million visitors to auschwitz annually and these are people that are not particularly jewish but are visiting because they're on a unesco uh visit to visit all the sites. They get on the buses, they come, they go, and it's over. Yeah, and what I saw, at least for myself, is one's whole perception gets shattered and being an educator, I know that's the best time to reach an individual. And so the idea is to invite individuals that have visited Auschwitz, to come to this other site, the bakery, where they will be exposed to the concepts of we belong to one humanity. And unless we deal with this issue, uh, and which is happening environmentally now and through COVID, that we are definitely interrelated, interdependent, and we must begin to see
1: ourselves as globally connected. Nina, that was beautifully said, and I want to, as a bridge, talk about for a minute. I don't know if you know that Evelyn is featured in a documentary, "Never Again Is Now," and it's about the rise of anti-Semitism in Europe. And we started this podcast because uh, recently, because Evelyn and I are very concerned about the rise of anti-Semitism and how individual people do not know how to speak up. I don't mean flag raising, and I don't mean You know, marching, and I I know everyone was going to ask this question, but I am doing it. How do you think your institute can help people know what to say? Not when they're visiting Auschwitz, but sitting here in Los Angeles or Vermont, if someone says something like, "You know, my decorator thinks I'm Jewish. Decorator thinks I can spend as much money as all those Jews who have money." How do we answer those questions if we have a one humanity mindset? anyone oh, uh,
0: want to add something to what I or, just said or or someone, or a friend of mine who said that Israel is starting that it's un, unbelievable that Israel is committing genocide um, to the Palestinians for instance what, what, could you somehow um, does any of your work relate to that kind of Yeah.
2: I don't go so concrete. I would say at this point, I look at I I developed a model called uh, conflict transformation, because what it says, we are the same at the pinnacle of life. And then we evolve down, you know, and uh, and We we evolve into these forms on planet Earth that create our differences. And we have to begin to see that we are unified. I mean, and therefore, you know, our behaviors must change, our individual behavior. So when I hear about the Palestinians and the Israelis, I always, I worked in the Palestinian area, I worked in Ramallah with young people, uh, and it was a very interesting experience. I lived in Israel for over a year and a half or so, Uh, but, What I want to say is that there's so much more to understanding the issues. There's not a right and a wrong. The question is, how do we bring them together? How do we understand that we must go beyond these perceptions of differences? Because if I spend time in Ramallah, I know they're telling mistruths in their material. I got to see it myself but on the other hand these are young people and they have dreams just like every young person in the world they want to you know follow their dreams and become who they are. And so that's what I advocate for. You know, it's never to tell them the negative. It's to more impose the positive and help them learn to step forward in that understanding. And I truly believe that the more empowered one feels individually, and the more that has a sense of purpose, the more one is accepting of others. It just comes together like that, much better. You know? Does that help you? And in terms of anti-Semitism, because I, I've thought about it, you know, it's it's all pervasive. I feel like the, the Jews are the scapegoats, that when you start to rub there, you're gonna rub everywhere. It's like a beginning, it's a seed, it's a calling. We're a, a minor group in terms of number, but a major grouping in terms of impact in the world as a as community, yes, as being Jewish. And so there is all this question, how do so few people have so much outreach? You You know, even the Dalai Lama, he wanted to meet with the rabbis to understand how did you do that? How did you keep the people together even though they were dispersed everywhere? Well, that that is a common identity with the Jewish people, I would say in general. And you know, the comment about never again is, but there were never lessons learned, and the only way we're going to have never again. If we learn the lessons that we should have learned by having the horrors of the second world war and then beginning to develop new lessons. And I think now with all these crises, there's something else emerging that the young people are beginning to think of what do they want to see this world look like? And they're willing to put effort and energy into it. And that's very important. And the way the world will change is through them, for sure.
0: Yes, Um, something that is maybe uh, not part of of your projects, but I'm very interested in your perspective on it. Um, we, we see this uh, these new generations, uh, the millennials, generation Z, we, we, we see them um, um, trying you know, uh, committing to a better world, a cleaner world, a more sustainable world, um, a world with uh, more equality, etc, all kinds of social justice uh, goals. And they're very, they take those very seriously. At the same time, we see what we see at so many human rights movements and conferences, and we see it even at the United Nations. We we see this hatred uh, at the same time towards the Jewish state, the Jews. So it spills over to that. Um, What... What would you advise an individual who comes across that?
2: Yeah. It's very complex because what like I working in Poland, what I've experienced, and this is my perspective, is you know, they were uh, oppressed by the Germans and then they were oppressed by the Russians. So, and now they're very right wing, yes, and they're anti this and they're anti-that and whatnot. But it's a way of, it's like with a young child, I hate this, I hate that, you know, it's establishing an identity. When that identity is more fulfilled, it will be able to take in others and have compassion, but at the level of its growth, and it's the same way with countries and with behaviors like that, like why hate israel you know like what does that do for you it it only creates separation and an attempt to feel better than the other if we can eliminate that competition you know we can bring people together there was a man oh i can't remember his name who, who studied the palestinian the israelis and was looking at the level of the collective consciousness and talking about how their levels of consciousness do not fit together the palestinians history you know and the uh, and israelis that come from western countries it's a very hard match to pull together but how do you do it i mean That person had worked with Mandela also and and, uh, the apartheid and the white people. And it was only through soccer that he could bring them together through a sport. So it's like we have to help all people go beyond this. We can't live in a society that we isolate and separate ourselves. And that's what's happening now. But I think that it's going to crackle and <laughs> fall apart in, in a point that it doesn't work. We can't operate as if we're in a vacuum separated from everybody else. It just, it will no longer work anymore. And if you speak to uh, biologists who are working on epibiology, they'll talk about that there's a whole new collective collaborative model emerging in terms of the biological nature of life, and so that's very important. That you know, there's been history of changings of the guard of the evolution of humanity, and this is a time where it's occurring. and And I think it makes a lot of sense to look at anti semitism and why is that there? You know, because it really doesn't serve us a purpose at all and the idea that we have to fight it to get through it you know i'm not so sure that's the answer but what is the answer how how to get beyond it how to bring the people into the circle like the the uh, the black uh, movement now the uh, and all of these movements everybody trying to establish themselves here i am i am this i am that but you know, in the end, we're all one. That and that's how I feel. You know, and that, I was thinking, you know, in terms of anti-Semitism and what I experienced in my life, you know, it, it, it's always subtle, especially here in America. Yeah, but I, I remember meeting uh, Malcolm X in college. And try, you know, because he was very anti Semitic, yeah, and trying to get him to understand hey, we've gone through the same oppression as you have, you know, please, you know, look at us as brothers and sisters, not as an opposition. Or when my mother was living in Switzerland and she stayed at an old age home, an independent living, assisted living home and she found a swastika on her door. And the the reason it happened is because in Switzerland, the banks had the money, right? And who were the people that lived at the time but the age of my mother in this home? And, And she was the only Jew, you know? So of course they were angry at her, you know? But what it took from me to convince her that it was okay to go downstairs now and eat dinner or to speak you know, up and speak to the head of the building and tell him what was going on. It was too much for her. She couldn't. Now, I did think that was very interesting because my mother cried a lot in her life. Yeah, it was just a very difficult, you know, she always felt guilty as if she caused her mother's death they tried to get her out and they couldn't, et cetera, et cetera, and that her mother died on my birth. It's, you know, it was very hard. So she she, uh, had collected letters of her mother's and she had them in a box and we always called it Pandora's box, yeah? And we couldn't open it. And only after she died, could we open it. And we had them translated and put into the archives at Iteha and I think they shared it with the Holocaust Museum. Because it's amazing to see a story of a human being slowly being denied the rights and being dehumanized, yeah? So I'm not sure where I'm going with all of this except to say, uh, you know, we saw anti-Semitism for sure everywhere. Um, But I just do know that in terms of my parents, that you can choose the low road or the high road. You can get angry and hate the Germans and hate them and hate this, or you can care for humanity. And that's why I mean not that they were wealthy, but they donated money to everything they believed in and sent money to Israel, to relatives. You know, it was so important that you support life in its positive form. And that definitely influenced me and in how I led my life. Yeah. And so coming back to Auschwitz is an awakening, really. And I found names of many, many relatives and, uh, Yeah. It's quite a story. And I'm so grateful that I was born a Jew. It's funny. I mean, I never thought about it before too much, but I feel like it's an honor to represent these people, you know, in my way, not as a religion, but as a force of nature and that that wants good in the world. Yes. And uh, that I'm one of them. So, yeah. Great. Yeah.
1: I would just like to say that, while I think it's wonderful what you're doing, being immersed in, particularly now, I'm finally reading The Rise and Fall of Third Reich, the most famous uh, book by a journalist who was there at the time, but in my other research, the way the Germans went so quickly from into hatred makes me, I don't wanna say skeptical, but while I hope you're successful, I must say, just don't think human I think human beings can be switched to a dark path so quickly. that even if you build up years and years and years of the good path, that all it takes is one demagogue. Is that the right word to just, I mean, he was brilliant in the way he was able to channel people to the dark side. And so that's what I feared about n- not the success of your project, but just that no matter how successful all our projects are, that I can be I, undone so quickly. I think there
2: are two choices in life: fear or love, and you choose which direction you want to go. And yes, humans can choose the dark side. It's so much easier than going for the positive. But hopefully, with the understanding, and we're creating a museum of experiential understanding, that they will begin. Each person will begin to experience that they are relevant to whatever is happening in the world because most people feel disconnected and that they choose their behaviors accordingly which impacts the world it isn't about they and them it's about us and me and how do i Start to move forward and make a better world. So I chose, I was a, a director of 10 schools, yes, and I was special ed, and I, that was an expert in special education. And I realized I didn't no longer wanted to fix what was broken, meaning the school systems, even though I was in administration, but rather to work on the visions I believe in. And so I've put all my energy into building that which I believe in. And that allows me to be much freer, much happier, and allows me to do good in the
1: world. So at um, your institute, will it only be as if everyone, or will you talk about the Roma? I mean, in other words, will you talk about the different groups that were targeted by the Nazis, or not?
2: Yeah, yeah, we'll start with the past to go into the future. You can't ignore the past. Yeah. And we've been working in the town now for six years. We know all the NGOs. We know the town the mayor we've even been and and was on the national level we've met with ministers etc uh, and slowly slowly they are truly accepting us as a reality our next hurdle is raising the money but you know one step at a time but anti-semitism is a very strange thing because it It rears its head whenever there's change coming. You know, it's like... It it really is amazing that I meet people that hate Jews that never met one. How is that possible? (laughs) How can you hate something you don't even know, you know, down south? Or like I spent time in Africa and they never heard of a Jew, you know? You, what's a you? (laughs) You know, they don't know. Uh, So it's just interesting. did
0: Did you come across anti Semitism in Africa?
2: No because no. I didn't know who I was what that was. but I always explained it, yes because they assumed I was if I wasn't their their religion, I must be the Christian. you know they had no other understanding. so I always had to explain you know what it is and they, you know they got to appreciate it as I worked yeah. I mean, my my positioning has always been we're brothers and sisters on this planet and I will do anything I can to further that concept.
1: Evelyn, do you want to ask one more question before we ask Nina to wrap it up with last thoughts? Um, Do you, are are
2: you planning to, to put a bakery next to Auschwitz? Well, at, at Auschwitz, the bakery is in the town of Auschwitz. It's in the old Jewish section next to the synagogue. It's right there. And it was a bakery, and we're going to restore it to a bakery. The symbolism of baking bread, sharing bread, bringing bread, you know, I mean, it has such a great input you know in terms of what people refer to and so yeah they don't be there because i thought i was trying to imagine myself
0: i've never visited Auschwitz uh but going through that camp and then seeing a sign at the at the exit that says bakery at a place where people were so hungry and starved that just sounded strange Uh, to me uh,
2: eh? It's not at the exit of Auschwitz. That's not possible. But but let me say, yeah, they usually get on a bus and they usually go back to Krakow. They usually go watch Netflix and have a drink to get over what they did that day. I mean, it'd be better to stay overnight in the town. First of all, the town needs us for creating uh, economic opportunity, But for changing their identity, why should they carry the stigma? I mean, who wants to live in the town of Auschwitz, which is the Polish word for Auschwitz, Auschwitz is the the German word for yeah, Poland, for Auschwitz, you know, nobody. I mean, so it's a town that needs uplifting. It's been identified as a city of peace, but it has a hard time becoming that infrastructure and you think of the people in the town they all work at ashwitz that's their major industry <laughs> i mean g- imagine every morning going to the gas chambers i mean i can't get it how they do it really so the bakery would
0: be there to help the local uh,
2: population. yeah yeah absolutely and to the visitors and then when we go to the institute there's a piece of land that is very adjacent to Auschwitz that has the SS barracks on it that's been laying empty for many years that could be converted into a center, a real campus of buildings for different activities. So we're looking at that, more dialing. It would allow for a new identity for us to go forward and still carry the past because never again means lessons learned and if never again what then? We must begin to think of a future that brings us together in a better way.
1: I think Nina that you have just wrapped up unless you have something you really want to say that that's a really wonderful way to end this interview and I thank you and I thank the listeners and I just want to say for those of you uh, who haven't yet seen the documentary feature featuring Evelyn. Please do go see it. You can see it for free at joynevereagainisnow.com. And you can find out about my free Holocaust play at thinedgeofthewedge.com. And wherever you are, without getting in physical difficulties of your own, speak up against anti-Semitism and hate.